can do something like that with Nav. Hello, how you doing? How you feeling? Yes, it's been a while since I recorded my um, episode. The last one was about, say, three weeks ago. Not because I'm lazy, it's just because finding the right time, the right guest, and uh, my lucky stars, I have found the perfect guy to come on board for this particular episode. Been wanting to chat with him for a very, very long time because I've loved his work. Um, especially, I'm a fanboy of his band uh, since the early 2000s. He has been rocking it. Uh, he and his band has been rocking it. And then I've discovered that, hey, he wears many hats. Not only as a musician, he's also a mixing engineer, a producer, and the founder and also the owner of uh, Studio 2105. He is none other than JD Wong, JD, my man. Hello, hello. Thank you so much, Nav, for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show, man. It's a it's a big deal. It's a huge deal for me to have you on the show because I've been oh, a man. fan of Pop Shove It for a very long time since you first came out. Come on, man. You guys rocked the scene. Uh, the first rap rock band. I I don't, I don't know whether it's the first, but the rap rock band of in the industry, man. So. Chatting yeah. with one of the members is a big deal for me. Huge deal for uh, me, actually. Yeah. I can say that we're not the first, but probably, you know, the one that sort of kind of got the most um, attention, uh, so to speak, yeah, from from the uh, from the media. Yeah. Yeah. Come to think of it, it's like, because the thing is, when it comes to rap, Rob, the only name that comes to my mind, uh, or back then, it was you guys. It's like everybody did it, but not really there fully. But uh, you guys took it to a whole new level, man. The tourings, the music, the collabs, the awards. It's like, whoa, fanboy moment, let me see. This is a fanboy <laughs> moment for me. <laughs> oh, man, you know, uh, I mean, um, uh, I'm, so I'm speechless. I don't know what to say, you know. You know, I still feel I have that imposter syndrome, even though after uh, <laughs> all this while, and, you know, it's been like 20 plus years already. And uh, yeah, sometimes a lot of these memories are very, very fresh in my mind. And, and it feels like it's, it's weird, man. There's no reason. Um, I feel like there's no reason I am here why I'm here today. And I suppose I have to be very, very thankful for, like, for for the circumstances and how life and how the stars have aligned, you know, to you know, position me to where I am today. Because the best part is but I mean, being having the name Pop Shevit or the band Pop Shevit, uh it, it was I mean originated, I mean started off somewhere in two thousand and one, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. And fast forward 22 years later or 21 years later, you still have that name being heard everywhere. So that's a long journey, man. More than two decades and you're still rocking it. So um, it's, it's a huge deal because a lot of bands that started off during that period of time kind of uh, phased off or rather they're still there, but still they don't have that impact that uh, you guys have till today because guess, I mean, you guys are going to be rocking it and rock the world, upcoming rock the world. And um, you've been busy with your project EAR. I mean, you had some music released through that. So that, that's, that's the best part. It was the consistency or rather the um, coming up with more music, staying relevant to the scene. Uh, that, that's a huge deal altogether, man. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it, it's not, it has not been easy. It's definitely been a great challenge. I mean, to be honest, actually, our last full-length album as Pop Shavit was actually 2011. That's wow. that's eleven years ago. So after that, we've been putting out, you know, a couple of stuff, you know, a few singles here and there. We've dropped, you know, and obviously we have a project ER stuff as well that has two albums worth of material. Uh, but uh, yeah, personally, we have, you know, 
uh, find it hard as well to try to keep things, uh, uh, try to be relevant like in, in this day and age. And um, well, long, long, long story short, here we, we're still trying it. We're still hustling. We're still working hard. <laughs> uh, we're still, um, uh, you know, uh, trying our best to put out uh, new material. A lot of our stuff is not really radio friendly because for us, we write stuff mainly, I guess, for our core fans and for True. ourselves, first of all. We don't ever try to target and say, you know, oh, this one is for the market. Lah. Oh, we write this because we want to, you know, hit the, you know, this particular trend or, or that particular trend. I think first and foremost, we always want to stay true to ourselves and write okay. and put out material that we love and we enjoy right, performing. Lah. Actually, now, yeah. even now, if you don't have radio-friendly materials, it's okay because uh, in comparison, when you guys first started and now, uh, now you have uh, various platforms to cater for the music, so you don't really need to rely solely on radio and TV. All these other platforms will give you the boost. Uh, actually, it's much better, come to think of it. Imagine at one era, you only can come up with music that's mainly catered for radio. Right now, you don't have to worry about uh, what you say or how you say it. And even if you go on th these platforms, you have a specific genre of people or other people who listen to a specific genre. You can, you can cater for that kind of niche market. So I think it's, it's, it's nice to have that right now, right? Yep. I definitely agree with you 100%. You know, definitely with, the, with what the internet has brought, with what social media has brought us, um, you know, the gatekeepers are, okay, we can, it's a whole uh, thing that we can dive into. So, yeah. you know, um, we don't have to rely on the same old gatekeepers, like, right? meaning the major labels and all yeah. that. So there is an audience for everyone out there. Your stage now for any artist or any band is no longer, yes, it's no longer your local uh, scene anymore. It's the, it's the world, man. The world is it's literally world. your stage now. Yeah, exactly. Even, yeah. even that, even in yeah. that, when it comes to creating, uh, creating your music or your shows, you have to start looking at it at that way, no longer focusing on it's like, hey, the Malaysian audience, that's what they want. I think you have to step mm -hmm. up the game. A lot of people need to uh, focus on that to stop thinking locally, just focus internationally. Yeah. I think it's a very often used uh, and oft quoted phrase. Lah. You know, think global, act local. Yeah. yeah. True. True. Yeah. That's, that's the way you want to put yeah. it. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of to chat about Pop Shavit, which I will be chatting about in a bit from now. But I have to start it off with one particular question. Um, I know, I know this. You might, you might have gotten this a lot. You might have explained this a lot. Uh, even the, the reason why I'm asking you this is because when I first, uh, or, or recently when I found out that about your shows and so on, it was through Darren and uh, in an honest mistake, he said, Hey, uh, check this out. JD has a show and all. I was wondering which JD was this. And then after a while, then he said it was JD Wong. It's like, okay. But I had this thing in running in my head for a second. It's like, you know, all these years of knowing Pop Shove It and uh, your work and stuff, I always wanted to know what was JD all about? What's What does JD stand for, man? Oh, okay, right. Well, uh, JD is actually a biblical name. So okay. it's, like a, it's, like a, it's like a Christian name. It's actually short for Jedediah. So ah, if you if you remember okay, Beverly Hill Billies, Jedediah yes, Camp, yes, Clamper, yes, yes. you know, and I'm, uh, I'm I, yeah, okay, so it's, a, it's okay. like a Midwestern, you know, American name, you know, the kind of a Bible Belt kind of a name, like, ah, yeah, okay, like Jedediah, okay. Jeremiah, and you got to speak, you get to you got to pronounce it with that nice southern drawl, you know. <laughs> Finally, I get that out of my head right now because yeah. I've been cracking. It's like, what is JD all yeah. about? 
I'm surprised you didn't use the name Je- Jedi Wong, man. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, it is actually spelled J-E-D-I. And uh-huh. trust me, I've already gotten that right throughout all my <laughs> childhood. Lah, you know, Jedi, Jedi. Lah. Hey, Jedi, you know, throughout, throughout school years. So, okay. but yeah, but it's, uh, yeah, doesn't faze me. It's like, it's, it's, it's cool, you know. Um, okay. Well, to be called a Jedi is like okay. Well, that that's all right, man. That's cool. You know? Nice, nice. But eventually, okay. shorten it just to JD because it's it's easier for people to remember, lah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Otherwise, okay, okay. But, it's a long, complicated name. But I must say, that's a very cool yeah. name. It's not, like you, you can, it's not that you hear it all the time. It's like I think I come to think of it, you're the first person I know who has that name on, on a personal level. That's yeah. kind of nice, man. That's a very nice thing. Yeah. So, okay, now that's out of the way, I can just move on to the next uh, stuff that's going on. Like I said, apart from music, um, one of the fascinating things that I've noticed that uh, you are a mixing engineer, producer, and of course the founder of 2105, which I'm guessing when it comes, since we're talking about 2105, I'm guessing that's the name of your studio or the business or where is it located, right? Oh, that's the name of it, it's interesting you say it because you, it's actually, you are correct on all those points. It is the okay. name of the business and it was the name of where I was located when I first started out. Ah, and there is a, and okay. uh, there is actually a very cool story behind why it's called 2105. Please share it, man, please. It's, it's, it's right. always nice to know the origins of the, uh, certain things. Yeah, you know, like, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, everyone's got their origin story. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this episode. I got to dig as much as possible from you, man. There's so much of things to get to know about um, JD and uh, his his work. So let's start off with the name itself, uh, 2105. All right. Okay, here goes. You know, I always feel a little weird when I start talking about myself and, and all of my things because... <laughs> no, I always feel a little bit self-conscious, like, like you know, a little bit of imposter syndrome. But <laughs> right here, here we go. Right, so here's the story. Um, I started out. <clears throat> I come from a um, music production and music production and technology background. That was what I okay. studied. Right at uh, okay. I was in a music college here in in KL in Malaysia. So one of the things I realized early on was that hey, to kind of get into this business, right? You know, you start need to start doing stuff at home, lah. You need to okay. start at home because in order to get out, you're, it's very hard to get employment in this field. You don't mm-hmm. really get hired. You know, studios don't really hire. So I realized that there was this need to um, set up a studio, right? Okay. Partially also because, you know, I couldn't get any of my damn assignments done right? <laughs> at the, because there's so many students vying for very, very limited studio time. It's like, hey, I got to set up a little home studio, lah, right? So okay. I got to little loan from my parents and then started at home so i realized like um hmm i kind of need to recoup all this money which i loaned from parents you know so then i started um um advertising my services to start doing some recordings and i did a lot of underground hip-hop actually okay for my first couple of years pretty much 75 percent of my work was in hip-hop okay yeah and and not rock, so I dealt with a lot of uh, underground uh, uh, English acts, uh, Tamil Tamil acts, right, and BMX and all that. So one of my main pro- clients, actually my biggest project, which I got really really early on, uh, was Tetari Crew. Oh, yeah, Ultimate of the Gang. So their second, yeah, their second album, right? So it's uh, Ultimate, yeah, Fast, uh, Fictional, Miss Nina, 
right? Because Tay Tariq Crew and us, Bob Shawit, we uh we share a manager. So you okay. know, so through their manager, uh, her name's Yanis, right? Uh, who eventually came and managed us as well later on. So she actually recommended, hey, you know, you guys are doing your second album. You're kind of doing it very, very DIY. Why don't you recommend? I recommend doing it at JD's uh, uh, studio, which was literally in my bedroom. So <laughs> I, you know, it's my bedroom in my apartment in a in a Bukit Antar Bangsa Ulu Klang. So literally, I every week, you know, for a couple of months, I had all the members of uh, Tetarik crew at my home. So all of them have uh, have uh, crashed and uh, bunked on my. Not only my bed, but my couch and my sofa. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we spend a lot of time together. So eventually, when the album was done, right, it's time to put out the album. Uh, Ultimate actually came and said, "Hey, it's time to put the credits out in the in the album liner, right?" So what should I put up, JD? Should I just call it JD Studio? And I said, "Like, uh, no lah. It's very pretentious again to call your call a name a studio after yourself." So I never had a name for it. So I said, "I don't know lah, Ultimate." I don't know. I have no idea. So off the cuff, he just said, oh, let's just call it 2105. Uh, okay, because that okay, was okay. my address. Uh, it was, that was a, that's a simple thing, isn't it? Yeah. So it was my unit number, uh, my floor and my unit number. 21st floor, unit number five. So it uh, ended up in the credits and the name stuck. So uh, Ultimate was the one who is responsible for naming the studio for giving the name okay because yeah. i was uh, at the initial stage when i first heard the name 2105 i was thinking it's like okay this is a sound engineer maybe there's some technical db levels or you know some graph stuff going on i wouldn't know anything about that but or maybe yeah, maybe it's something to do with the movie or exact time when he started uh, do a uh, time something to do with time and now that you mentioned uh, it's your unit number at the house that makes more sense but <laughs> that makes yeah, more yeah. sense yeah, you know, everyone has fun trying to guess what the meaning of 2105 is, whether is it my birthday or is it the date where the business was established. But, you know, you know um, I always I always enjoy telling that story. So shout out to Ultimate, man. You know, it's thanks to him that the name, the name kind of got around and everyone started calling it that. And then I guess that's the name then. Yeah, that's nice. It's kind of nice. It's a nice name. Like I can remember from, I mean, from my age, you know, you know, like Studio 54s and this and that. You have those kind of things. Now, Studio 2105. It's kind right. of cool. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. very cool Studio name. Studio 54 references. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and speaking of studios, uh, well, of course, it's going to be associated with your mixing and producing. And I've noticed that you have done so much, uh, so many great works with so many great artists. And above it all, you have these two programs uh, highlighting some of the work that you do. Uh, you you have your own podcast, which uh, for those listening in right now, it's a must check out. It's a compulsory thing you should check out. There's two two shows, right? It's, it's actually called under direct access, and then you have one called Mix Chat, and the other one is Mix Stream. This is Mix Stream, right? That's right, absolutely okay. correct. Yeah. So when did, when did you have when did you have the idea of starting that out? This these two shows is a fantastic show. We're going to get into the details of it in a bit from now. Right. Okay. Well, you know, education, when it, um, audio and music education is something that has always been very, very close to my heart. And people have actually been always been asking me, hey, you know, you should be doing uh, workshops, you should be, you know, teaching classes, you should be doing master classes and all that sort. And of course, right, being a pro in a 
you know that's that's where the the pro in procrastination is like a professional yeah. procrastinator la. so we put uh been putting that uh, uh on hold for so many years but eventually in 2017 and 2018 i actually started doing an actual physical on ground workshop it started off okay. as that so it was a workshop which i would hold only once a year Right, okay. only once a year, but it's a long, it's a very intensive workshop. It's like a six weekend workshop kind of thing. So that was called direct access, right? The direct access workshop. You know, um, a confession. I actually stole the name from from another uh, producer <laughs> over in the US who, who, who did something similar. So the idea is not original. Okay, it's 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 something which I copied. But you know, it's, um, no one really did did that. So it's a hands on thing where people actually get. Um, come to my studio and I handpick a band, an original and independent band, and I would produce, record their song from the ground up, from scratch, right? And the students would actually attend it and actually watch it. So that's what uh, the whole idea, the whole, whole concept of how I do um, um, all mixed stream, right? Um, okay. Sort of comes into play. It's always, you. I always want to put the, the the student or the viewer f make them feel like they are right there and then behind the scenes or over the shoulder watching how it's done in a professional studio. Um, yeah, so obviously um, 2020 came around, right? Uh, everything is shut down, right? And we know the story. We don't the, need to, we don't have to tell that again. The Everyone, big mess. Everyone, <laughs> the, big, the big mess, right? We call it the wawasan <laughs> Right, that, that was what happened, lah. Okay, right. Oh, Big mess for me for many many reasons. Um. So yeah, so it came a point where hey, you know, got to get off my ass, got to do something. Um, work fortunately was still coming in, right? Recording studios, uh, kind of fall under the broadcast, mm -hmm. um, umbrella of broadcast facilities. So we still were. I was still able to do work. In here, but of course, getting people into the studio was a problem. So I thought of, hey, you know, why don't we start featuring and you know showcasing this process of mixing songs, right? I'll take an independent band, local band. Uh, one or two actually have been major label stuff as well, right? Okay. You know, um, mostly Malaysian, but some foreign. You know, I've uh, done for bands in the um, um, Philippines, and the furthest one I've done was uh, actually a band from China. China as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I give them a little sh glimpse behind the scenes look at the process at the mixing process of a song, so from okay. start to finish. So hopefully, when when viewers right, uh, of course, my niche audience will be people who are into this, who are into recording, mixing, music production. So people who actively want to seek out. But if so happens, they are fans of the bands, they're fans of the the acts or the artists. Or people who are, you know, general members of the public who just stumble upon the live stream or the video, hopefully it gives them a, a glance, lah, right? To, oh, so actually the stuff that we hear on radio, that we hear on Spotify, that we see on the YouTube video, wow, there's so much that goes into making that final product. We don't know. Exactly how yeah. I felt when I watched it two days ago when you were doing Sam's music. Uh, the, okay, I'll be. I'll confess. The very first time I heard about you doing this particular mixed stream was when you were doing it for an honest mistake. One of the tracks, 
So Darren said, hey, check this out. He was, she was sharing it on the social media. I saw, okay, the first five minutes, I thought to myself that, hey, I wouldn't know anything. Maybe this is meant for people in the technical level. Then after fast forward to a while later, um, it was a day before yesterday, right? I think so. Okay, uh, a couple of days back, I was watching you do the Sam's. So I said, okay, fine, I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to watch at least, at least for 10 minutes minimum. 10 minutes went on to, 50, to half an hour, half an hour went on to one hour. I think I actually sat down there for two hours without knowing anything about the technical side of it. But I was so fascinated of what happens to a song and the work that an engineer puts in in order to make something as simple into something extraordinary. You know, that's how the whole thing works. The details of it, every small details. No wonder you guys charge that much and you deserve it, man. <laughs> that's all I can say. Because the, the stuff that, I think it's something that everybody should watch at least once. I mean, for a common public, for a music listener who's not into the technical side, you don't make music or you don't do audio engineering. In order for you to appreciate a song more, it's good to watch and find out what exactly happens to a song. It's not just somebody just recording it and releasing it. There's a lot of magic that works uh, behind the scenes. And what I saw the other day was mind-blowing, man. I never knew so much of work was put in for one particular song, which is only about three minutes. But, dude, it was wow. That's all I can say. Wow, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, appreciate it, man. I mean, uh, um, thanks, you know. I mean, that, that's really good to, to know that you actually found it enjoyable and, and fascinating, right? Because this type of content is, by definition, it's not for everyone, right? It's, yes. it's definitely very, very niche. But uh, my, my goal always, especially when I want to feature all these independent acts that I'm working with, some are actually really well-known, like bands, of course, like Darren's and Honest Mistake. Um, some well-known uh, bands also were like uh, Six Sense, right? Six Sense is also a very, very big band. And I'm very gracious, especially when, you know, especially those with big followers, uh, big fan base, allow me to feature their songs because actually it helps. My, my whole intention is to, is to um, feature and showcase their music so that even their fans especially will learn to appreciate their, their, the artists, right, and support them even more because then they will see, oh, wow, you know, this is, this is so much work that's being put into... Uh, my my favorite band. Oh, this is what they do, and this is only a little slice of what actually what takes place because yes. it's only the mixing process. Yeah, exactly. And I'm I'm also curious about this one, uh, especially for musicians uh, who's you know who send you the music or people who are this record music. Uh, the, I I feel that it's a compulsory thing for them to also watch programs as such in order to understand better uh, and the processing of you know the the troubles or the difficulties of and an engineer face when you send them a song. So, uh, which comes up to my next question. When you do these, these sorts of mixing, do, your, the, do the musician or the artist sit with you in the studio and watch the whole process? Or is this like, hey, Jenny, I got a song. Please do the mixing. And then that's it. They don't look at it at all. Does that happen that right. way? Well, okay. The things have evolved over the years, right? Um, but most of the time, traditionally, actually, you... You, the client or the artist doesn't really attend the mixing sessions anymore, right? So even in the past, even before doing this this live stream, um, I would say that the tendency now, especially with everything going to digital, because everything you know is 
inside they done inside a computer in the box so so to speak um the tendency is that usually they don't right okay. the only uh, stage where you get the artists or the clients involvement it's towards the later stage once that mix is done then okay. we will usually do what we call a listening session right um either in person in person is great because you know okay. um i actually prefer in person there, there are several reasons uh, tips of the secrets of the trade why i actually prefer it in person right, right okay. when they actually come to the studio but very often now right, people are so busy people are always on the move it's not possible to always get everyone to come in the studio so it's very common now to just send out a file usually a MP mm. an mp3 and you no know, people the bands or the artists will send notes then we'll go back okay. and forth yeah um that's one way of doing it but um something that's a little bit more uh, interactive the best of both worlds and this is much more recent technological development is that we work remotely so okay. imagine the live stream that you watched right mm -hmm. but now we can actually do it uh in real time with the artist with the client wherever they are and uh the quality we actually use a different program we don't obviously not don't stream it on youtube we actually okay. use uh zoom and another program called audio movers so okay. that actually transmits the audio in almost near real time and in full quality oh yeah okay, so okay, that's okay. actually been been a, a recent development of course right in no no thanks in part to the pandemic right no thanks in part <laughs> to that so that has accelerated the adopt the adoption of that so that's been some of the ways that i've been working in fact after this i'm going to be doing a remote session with a client who's all the way in malacca right now okay yeah because of timing la, timing timing mm -hmm. schedules yeah so we yeah make use of technology so that's how the sort of relationship and the work, work process has evolved over the years but as an engineer, would you prefer for the musician of if you kind of have the whole band, at least a representative from the band itself, come and sit with you and watch the whole process? Because uh, I, I don't know, I'm like I said, I'm not a musician. I do not know anything about music. And the only thing I know how to play mm -hmm. is a CD player. So, <laughs> you know, so when you have yeah. the musician there and to understand better of the process itself. So just to make sure in the near future, when they're recording a song, they know things to look for i mean things to do and what not to do before sending a music to an engineer or in the rec recording process of it would you prefer that or you want to say that hey don't disturb me while i work which one is it for you i would say actually it's i really don't mind either okay. but to to be frank it's really not really productive for the artist or the client to be around while i'm mixing actually okay because it's the first 80% of the whole process, it's going to be me figuring out different combinations, different balances here and there. And everything is going to sound wrong and sound off. Okay. And, for, and for a client or a musician who's sitting at the back of the, uh, the, the room listening, everything's going to sound wrong, you know, okay. because I'm hitting all these down different pathways. Sometimes I hit okay. a dead end, then I have to backtrack, go another another way. And so I'm discovering all these different ways to work and get the mix together. So usually, you know, uh, that's why they only come in at the very close to the end stage. 
where you know okay. we decide okay this is the right sonic direction mm-hmm. and then uh, and then we will make tweaks and we will make notes from there lah, from there on yeah okay so okay. it's so it's it's to me personally right it's not really productive uh, to to have them back there um i think there is a joke there's a meme that goes around <laughs> right that says that okay um it's something that creatives used to do lah, right yeah. okay like uh, uh okay i do the work i mix and then i deliver to you i charge let's say 500 ringgit for example 1000 uh, i mix but you give me but you supervise and you give me all the your your notes then and then <laughs> right i will charge you 1000 oh and, i get uh, it then, okay, i, I think i saw this beam. yeah yeah then you sit down here you do the mix yourself i charge you 2000 <laughs> I'm this happens a lot for graphic designers, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's the same. But the same parallel also applies to to us okay. here. So, yeah, obviously they're going to find a lot of faults. A lot of things are going to sound wrong, and things only k- kind of gel together towards the end. Then, where okay. everything just will just fall into place and make sense. So, it doesn't really serve any purpose for them to be uh, sitting lah. But okay. I won't say no if they want to do it purely out of edu for for their own education. Yeah. Then at least yeah, once. Um, I don't mind that. I don't. I don't mind that. But hey, in this day and age, man, who's got the time to? Yeah, you gotta make <laughs> got time, time, man. You yeah. need the knowledge. You gotta make time because, like, like I said earlier, uh, for a person who is not into the music scene, mm, yeah. uh, or rather, who's not a musician whatsoever, an engineer whatsoever, I was in, so intrigued about the every single detail that you did. It's like you know, you're getting on these plugins, you know, certain part of music by the how yeah. you where I work with the vocals, the kind of microphones you like, mm-hmm. even. Uh, explaining to people, uh, musicians, uh, what kind of mic you use also helps in the process of mixing. You know, all those little minute details is like, I was like, wow, this is something that all musicians to at, at least experience it once in their life yep. when you come out with the music, especially the new uh, new guys who's, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just play, I got a band, I want to record a song, I just record yep. something, give you the yep. mixer, let him crack his head on how he's going to yeah. work it out. Yeah, and I wish it was like that. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I wish it was like that, you know. Um, but for for people who are, you know, who are who say that they are actually invested in in music, lah, you know, they they okay. musicians, they play in a band, and God forbid, even those who are actually say that they love, you know, uh, or are studying music production, um, I would I would I would have to say that they actually kind of take these sort of things for granted nowadays. You know, um, I used to be mentored under uh, Greg Henderson, who I who is who's oh, okay. an awesome producer and engineer. He's my mentor. Right, he also produced our, our our albums. And there was something that he said. You know, working in a studio used to be a privilege. I mean, back in the early days of recording studios, you had to have minimum an electronics uh, engineering degree or something like that. You know, uh, and even if you go back to even let's say Abbey Road UK days. The engineers are wearing coats and lab coats, right? To show that, hey, these are professional people. Yeah. And it used to be that if you had no business coming into the studio, right? You are not allowed, lah, you know, right? Yeah. But nowadays, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry can sort of step into a studio, come in. You know, you invite your girlfriends, your uncle, your auntie. It became a lifestyle thing, Ella. It became that, and then obviously with with the proliferation proliferation of 
home recording and home studios, then it became a lot more accessible. Then people sort of take it for granted. Mm-hmm. It's so much so that um, you know, you mentioned that you are so fascinated about all this. You're 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 intrigued by the process, by all the technical stuff and details. Um, likewise, you know, the uh, I and most of the colleagues that I know would give everything that they could to be the first one in the studio, last one out. That's we always wanted to be that. You see, that was my experience growing up and and uh training and 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 learning. Right at the different studios and places that I used to uh, work and train under, I always want to be there first thing True. in the morning, and then the, I want to be the last person out. Nowadays, it's different, man. Uh, and sad to say, right? I I do take a lot of interns. It's like they just want to spend the minimum amount of time. It's oh, like man. as soon as I can leave, you say, okay, uh, you you're good to go. Sessions over. They Oof. leave. <laughs> Oof. You know. Yeah, oh. it's like oh, I gotta go off and do some other thing now. Gotta oh. go and you know, um, <laughs> gotta go and uh, check my uh, uh, Instagram feed during a no, session. It, you know, yeah. This because this whatever, uh, like whatever you guys are doing. I mean, whatever the engineers are doing, it's for me. Like I said, it's it's priceless because knowledge is such because you can have all the education uh, that you want. I mean, academic wise and the technicalities of things, but the experience of doing it hands on or rather watching it, it's something that you money can't buy. You know, you just got to get the right people, the right studios, the right song, you know, being there at the right time. Well, that's, that's totally different. I learned that when I had to work with Disney a while back, knowing how exactly the whole thing works. So it's, I don't know if for the interns, like you said, who's always listening, future interns, pay attention, experience it. Because if you don't experience it, you never learn. Experience is your best teacher. That's what my mentor taught me. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's of course again the cliche lah. It's always the ten thousand hours cliche, uh, right? You know, you know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell outlier says, you know, ten thousand hours. You got to put in the time, right? And uh, and 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 all that. But uh, again, don't get me wrong. There there are you know there's incredibly talented people and i think making um music production and recording accessible to more people is a good thing it's definitely a great thing right but everything always has its pros and cons there's always an upside and always a downside to to everything right grant there are still uh individuals out there who really really love the craft and that's why i look at it it's a craft who who really, really appreciate the art, and that's great. But there are some, of course, who kind of just uh, give it more of a passing, you know, uh, like a passing glance la, to the whole thing. So I guess depend. people just need to know where their priorities are and what they want to do, who they want to be. If they really, really want to to um, uh, be doing this, and, you know, again, um, it's a lesson which I've actually... Um, sort of hammered in just by talking to all the people on my podcast as well so all these people they are all the common thing that i've spoken to all these amazing people is that how passionate and how obsessed they are with this whole thing right so that almost every waking hour they are in the studio they are doing things they are you know writing songs or they're making music so that's one thing in common with all the the successful people that i know la, they're really really obsessed about about uh, this thing about what they love 
Right. Yeah, it's but pardon, yeah. Sorry, man. Pardon my long rant about this, dude. No, 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 no. I, I kind of love listening to this, man. I really love listening to this. No, because the thing is, like I, like I said, I have a whole different level of respect for audio engineers. Because, like I said earlier, uh, anybody could make a song. Anybody could write a song. You know, produce. I mean, come in, walk into the studio, record it. But to turn a song into a masterpiece. That's where you need all the engineers. It's like I've, I've heard bands, um, when they're do, doing their live sets, I mean, musicians that I've known from the early years till today, um, when they have live sets going on, you know, live shows, they sound extremely well. So they decide that, okay, fine, I'm going to record this song and then bring it out. So the moment they don't pay attention to who they send the music to, who is mixing the music, you know, by the end product comes out, it just ruined everything. You know, the experience itself is like, dude, I heard him live. I heard his song. I love that song. But if you don't do it right, you don't get it to the right people, you just wasted every your time, your effort, and of course, your reputation at the very same time. Mm. And also, at the very same time, I've known guys who suck at music. The songs really sound, really is really bad. But the moment they get the right engineer and so on, the end product sounded fantastic. It's like, mm. dude, was this the guy who came up with that song? So th that's why I have the uh, next one or rather, I don't know how, the high respect towards audio engineers. And I love listening to them speak and watching them work. It's like, you don't understand, it's okay, just watch. Like, it's like, it's something that you don't get it every day, you know. It makes uh, you feel like, hey, shit, right. I should be a musician myself, man. Thanks, <laughs> man. I mean, yeah. Where were you? Where were you uh, 20 years ago, man? I needed to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust when me, I've been talking. preaching this 20 years plus since from the event management days and radio days. You know, because like, you know, I hung out with a couple of old school engineers you know, some of them, you know, back in the day. So you, you don't know what is this all about. So like you said earlier, some people are not allowed in the studios. Not everybody can be in the studio. So I just got a glimpse of here and there. Always fascinated. Wanted to study audio engineering. Never worked out. Didn't have the money for it. But uh, hey, I have you guys to thank, man. At least I learned bits and pieces here and there. It's CBC, oh, like 1%, 0.1% or whatever. I have to thank you for that part. And I've always advised uh, musicians, myself, pay attention to the, these sort of things because... You can't take it for granted. It's not about uh, saving cost. You know, some of them, I, I'm pretty sure as an engineer, you've seen musicians who don't um, have not prepared the budget for coming up to you and making this kind of music. So they compromise on that part. At the end of the day, you just wasted a good song. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that has happened a lot for you, right? I mean, seeing I mean, musicians. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it depends on what sort of level of involvement I, I, I have in a certain project. Right, because I mean, I own and operate a studio, so sometimes you know, uh, uh, on some jobs, so to speak, right, we are just there to cater a service, lah, right, okay. to you know, um, to sort of record your song, record your parts, right. I don't get involved too much on, uh, in in the production or the creative side of things, right. Okay. You've written your song in such a way, right. My job is just to record and mix you. So there's some 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 uh, jobs which are of that nature but then of course right uh, i will there are some um for some jobs and some projects where i will actually be engaged and i come on as a producer right okay. so then this is where i'll definitely have a lot more invested and a lot more involved in terms of you know everything in fact if you if i'm hired to produce a, a song a, 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 a song or a band i'm all in this is 100%, okay. you know, they are giving the trust and they are giving me basically the mandate to sort of 
um, take over and sort of uh, manage the entire project. So this is where I will step in in everything from the songwriting, the lyrics, the performance, all the pre-production, all the rehearsals, all the work that needs to take place even before right, you uh, uh, step into the uh, studio. Lah, right? And uh, that's kind of my approach. I, I'm, I'm always a very flexible person. Uh, yeah. I, I work depending on what the what the client wants, lah, Right? Uh, it's it's actually fascinating. I've been listening to your various episodes, uh, but I always need nitpick and pick and choose, right? I always cherry okay. pick the episodes because I always talk. I always want to listen to my other so called fellow engineers first. So you're that so, extra you know, two guys who came in and clicked on the, my YouTube, lah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like the most recent one with Ash, that was really really cool, right? Ash has just got his own uh, um uh, philosophy when it comes to picking projects and clients. And that's awesome, yeah. you know. That's that's a really, really good, uh, very, very smart strategy, actually, right? In in doing so, because he always, he always makes sure he's fully involved with every project that he does. That that's excellent. I think, uh, one of the old ones you uh, did was with the modern, right? Yeah. yeah as well, yeah. False. So yeah, with with modern. So yeah, we're all you know all studio owners and engineers. We're all good friends. Uh, we all have our own WhatsApp group and everything, and. Our own chats as well so it's like <laughs> super super cool yeah so yeah that's different different people have different philosophies different ways of working but i think in the end all of us love what we do and we always try to you know make sure that we serve the community we serve our musicians i always tell myself right that actually this is actually a service industry pretty as much, much as, yeah as much as, as much as you know i and i tell interns and i tell my assistants lah, i tell tell them hey uh as much as we are think ourselves as wow these artsy creative people you know to be frank we're actually service industry we perform a service so you know we want to be humble i don't see myself any greater than someone who's working the cash register or someone who's the janitor who's performing a service for for everyone man so you know uh yeah that that helps uh, to sort of keep me a little bit more sane a little bit more grounded you know so that my head isn't above in the clouds yeah for, yeah for, because uh, you, you, your service is needed very badly uh it, very much actually sorry sorry in the industry because mm-hmm. it helps elevate the quality of music that we have in our country because like i said we spoke earlier it's time for us to focus internationally and but act locally. It's because the quality itself also plays a very important role. If you want to take it further, you can't do it like what he did about 30 years ago with the limited technology that we had and, um, you know, things and such. Because now, whatever you guys are provi- providing, the services you're providing, all the engineers, all the studios, these are the ones that are going to help us uh, create that reputation worldwide. So it plays a very important role. But I do have one question. I'm uh, sorry, I'm sidetracking here right here. I'm just supposed to ask you this earlier. Uh, you mentioned about the producer's job and then the mixings, uh, the mixing engineer's job. But this is one thing I'm always confused whenever I see uh, in inlays or credit mentions, mix and mastered. So mixing and mastered, the difference in a nutshell. Could you help me out of that part? Ooh, okay, right. You know, that uh, I will try to keep it as brief as possible, layman's explanation, because... <laughs> The danger is whenever I go into this, it will become a like a full on uh, uh, university lecture. <laughs> <laughs> I got no so problem with that, man. 
Because yeah, I'm always fascinated. Because I'm yeah. confused. It's like, okay, you said I sent it to the audio engineer. Mm. I did the mixing. Mm. Then there's this mastering thingy. Yeah. I got to send it to somebody else for mastering. So mm. how does that work? You know, what what is the process right. of that? Okay, right. So right, mixing is very easily. It's fairly easily understood, lah. Right. You are taking all the recorded tracks. You are taking um, the arrangement, right? Whatever mm-hmm. has been arranged, whatever has been recorded, right? For that song, particular song production, and you are. Um, it is a job of combining all those tracks using all the different tools to deliver a final mix. So, final mix is actually the actual final representation of what that song is—the production of the song, right? Um, because the song could have different versions, right? Okay. So, you know, you could do an acoustic version or somebody could do a, a dance version. Somebody could do a rock version, so so to speak. But that's, mixing is very easily understood. You take all the tracks, it's recorded, uh, that's been recorded. It's mixed together to give you the okay. final mix. Okay. So mastering is where the... Uh, the sort of mystery and the uh, dark arts used to be like we always used to refer to say that mastering <laughs> used to be some kind of a dark art but mastering basically the definition of mastering is right it is to take uh the completed mixes right the mm-hmm. the full mix to prepare them prepare them for right let me try and word this as as, as accurately as possible right it's the process of preparing or mastering the final uh, mixes in order to be um, ready for the intended medium of delivery. Okay. I know it's, okay. it's, still, I, it's still a little bit wordy, I know, but basically it's getting it ready and prepared, right, for whatever the final destination is meant to be. La, right? Like broadcast, so it's uh, the streaming like, platforms, that kind of like, things. Yeah, correct. Like either broadcast or streaming or in the in the past, and in fact, still now, right? Physical mediums such as CDs, cassettes, and and vinyls. So, because all these different mediums um, mm. will have different requirements, they may have different um, um, uh, characteristics and different sp- delivery specifications. So, you know, a mastering engineer uh, by right is the person who has the most experience. They not only are they usually specialists. Right, okay. who only do right this very very special and specific job, they also have that ability to look at big picture. They okay. know all the various delivery formats. Oh, you know, if it's meant to deliver for um, uh, digital streaming, it's it's you know this is the specs that we want to look for. If it's meant to be delivered for uh, physical CD or vinyl, these are the things that we will prepare for. And now with um, immersive audio, Dolby Atmos, and all these um, emerging uh, formats that are out there, mastering engineers need to be need to up their game and also be ready to deliver for all these uh, formats as well. So um, that's where a mastering engineer comes in, right? My my and then the closest is analogy I used to explain to you know bands and artists is that right? It's like you go to a car wash lah. It is not a good analogy, okay. okay? But the easiest way to explain to a man is go to a car wash, right? You want your car clean, right? You ask for, okay, um, uh, boss, I just want to wash and vacuum only. Can, no problem. Once it's done, your car is clean. You can drive it. It's perfectly functional. But what about, uh, how about polish? So, right? So the the analogy that I try to explain to a layman is this like you 
if you have the option and you have the extra budget, um, I definitely always recommend that, yeah, send it for a mastering engineer. It's, you know, the the um the example that i use is that yeah you know it's like having your car polished it's clean okay. it's perfectly it's perfectly uh, uh serviceable it's perfectly deliverable but just to polish it right to add that little bit of uh um uh polish so that a little bit more presentable yeah you know to take it to another level because a mastering engineer not only is he or she specialized in doing it they also have much better uh, equipment to do so they okay. usually will have a much better acoustic environment in terms of their their mastering studio and their mastering rooms a lot more much more accurate listing uh, system than what we have so okay. you know it's it's um, always advisable to always uh, if you have the budget uh, to send right to a mastering engineer um, but sadly of course sometimes people either because they don't have the budget right you know, they don't want us. Uh, sometimes they feel like, oh, we're only releasing one song, a single, so not worth it, lah, to spend that extra, you know, couple of hundred okay. to send to a mastering engineer. So unfortunately, right for us, on on our end as 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 mixers, we have to fulfill that need, lah. So we okay. sort of have to oh, kind of do both. A lot of the times have to do both nowadays, mix okay. and also master, right? Okay. But Ideally, mastering should always be sent to a dedicated and special specialized mastering engineer. That's ah. my that's my opinion. Um, anyway, yeah, that's uh, that says a lot because I've heard conversations among musicians that have been in one or two studios. It's like, okay, if I I've done this mixing, I'm going to send it to the other guy for mastering. It's like, dude, isn't it mm-hmm. the same person can do both and all? But I haven't had a detailed explanation as such. I mean, right. in a nutshell, I think I have an idea of yeah. how the whole thing works. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. amazing, man. There's a lot of process yeah. in making a song. Yeah. Talking about process, let's do this little thought process, like this little mental exercise. Say like I am the mixing engineer, right? I have mm-hmm. mixed the tracks, right, in my studio and I have made it sound the best that it can be to me. Okay. How then am I able to make something that sounds the best already and then switch your brain to so-called mastering and try to make it better. You can't because it's, it's already tough. you already made, made you already tried to make it sound the best. The only way you can do it, you like to act to have someone improve it, is to send it to a mastering engineer, which is a separate person, a third party, who's not invested in the song in the project, who is who gives a totally unbiased uh, feedback and opinion on mm. on the whole song on on the mix. And for them to be doing the mastering, that's okay. where the value of a mastering engineer comes into comes into play. Yeah, they all have the much better gear. They are much more experienced. They have the ear for for doing that. Uh, but you are basically giving it to someone who will give you unbiased feedback and know oh, what okay. needs to be done, lah. And actually, okay. one of the one of the great values of working with mastering engineers is this that I personally have experienced, lah. So with some of the great mastering engineers that I work with, both local and so also overseas, you know, people like Cielto, Nick Lee and all that, one of the hidden benefits that no one really talks about, right, when you work with mastering engineer is they actually give me feedback. If let's say I've worked with them on several projects and they come back to me and say that, hey, you know, JD, in your mixes, you always tend to have 
let's say this 200 hertz build up you know in all your mixes they always kind of appear this way or maybe your low frequencies you know everything below 50 hertz always tends to be too much too little it's like wow that's actually great feedback from from mastering engineers because uh it tells me that hey on my side i have some deficiencies in my studio monitors my the acoustics of my listening environment and okay. you know that is valuable feedback or the tendency or you know uh, so great mastering engineers actually give that in, in terms of their value. So it's a feedback loop. So it goes back to me, and then I will make, make improvements, make, make some changes, right, to either the project that I'm working on with them or, and make, keep that in mind for future projects. Lah. So okay. they're actually a feedback loop where I, where I learn more. And if it's the same person doing it, there's no feedback loop happening. You cannot yeah, improve. Yeah. yeah, you can't improve. You need another new set of ears and eyes to see the work itself uh, yep. in order to have a different perception. Of it. But this is interesting, man. I seriously now regret not studying audio engineering years ago. <laughs> but no, 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 but no, the no, thing no. is... I, I, think you, I think you're on the right path. <laughs> like, if my, if <laughs> my, on, if my, if my uh, kids want to study uh, audio and music nowadays, uh, God, bless, God bless them. I, I, won't, I won't stop. I won't stop them, but I will like, I highly discourage them from doing this. Like. Oh, come on, with the technology that's constantly evolving, I'm pretty sure there's more great methods coming out for that generation, man, in comparison with what it used to be back then. Uh, it, well, I mean, there, there will be a lot of people who will disagree with that statement, you know? Really? People who, um, people, let, let's, if, if we just look in, just purely in music, uh, within the music circle, um, it's very popular now, right, to have automated mastering services, oh, really? such as Lander, right, uh, and even you know some of the plugins that come in nowadays, like Ozone, use um, machine learning, artificial intelligence to master. So that's oh. actually been a very uh, common thing really for the past couple of years, and it's very, it's very cheap, it's very affordable. Some ways even free as well. If you only want an MP3, I think some of them uh some of them even do it for free you upload the file to the website you process process the thing and then give it back to you as a mastered mp3 using machine learning and, uh, and ai oh really? uh, yeah there are even plugins you know that uh, use um uh, ai and learning to make mixing decisions for you nowadays that right much. you know for 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 beginners and uh heck, recently you know james Earl jones it made a headlines right voice of darth vader yeah he has licensed his, he has licensed his voice right for ai to to use it so oh. you know uh, this is going to be a game changer and you know we talk about in in art visual arts there's a lot of talk about ai art ai generated art nowadays which uh, have you ever tried have you ever tried it it's quite yeah fun. i've seen and uh, one of the things that I'm pretty pissed off yeah. is when they have that so-called AI voice generator for voiceovers. I can't tell uh -huh. you my cut, man. I can't earn a yeah. living. Everybody's going to use that. So, yeah, it's, you can, at this stage, I safe to say it is still, you can still discern. Yeah. It always kind of gets a little flat after a while. Yeah. The, the AI yeah. ones, because I have gotten some clients and they usually we will replace them with actual um uh vo talent lah, right yeah but 
hey, I mean, there are a lot of technology can be a good thing. It can also disrupt a lot of uh, industries, man. So, yeah. You still got to have that human that. touch. La. No matter what you do, it you still got to have that human touch. Yeah, yeah, but the uh, yeah, but the Elon Musk of this world uh, may disagree and say that <laughs> we should let the machines. If the machines can do it better, you know, let the machines oh, do it. You know? Come on, man! It, it was a bit too much of it already. Like I said earlier, yeah. from the technology I used to use uh, before we started recording this thing, it's like I used your normal mixer, yeah. plug and play. I was so happy using it mm-hmm. and all the details. Then I got something which is a bit more on the high tech stuff, mm-hmm. which is yeah. good, but at the same time making my life miserable at from time to time. And uh, it's like when you're fully rely uh, reliant on that but yeah. the, the thing is all the all this stuff you see like you see you you have your technologies uh you know they are ais you know doing it for you and so on but the thing is like when i said human touch like you can advise bands on what to do and what not to do like say earlier you were talking about a mastering engineer advising you hey you have this issues i mean you can work on it i don't think so technology can help you do that it's like you know you just you give whatever you need to give and they'll just fix it and give it back to you. Same goes for you. I mean, for example, like now the problems that you face as an engineer when a musician comes in, I'm pretty sure there's a series of it. What are the most common things that you would like musicians to pay more attention to before sending music in to you for mixing? Well, I think uh, it's the, we'll call, I would call it the five P's of production, right? Okay. The five P's, right? Um, disclaimer, some people will say there's six Ps, but the six Ps will be a little bit not family-friendly, okay? <laughs> right, right. Basically, it's this prior preparation prevents poor performance. Okay. Right. So, you know, it's as simple as being doing as much work as possible and preparing as much as possible before you even step into the, the studio. So that means, you know, um, perfecting your craft, perfecting your song writing. I mean, perfecting maybe is not the right word uh, because it implies that, oh, everything needs to be perfect before you put it out, before you uh, release it. And sometimes perfection can be the enemy of uh, greatness. Lah, right? Okay. Uh, then on the other flip side, again, there's always flip side to everything, okay? You can always <laughs> say good, good enough is the enemy of great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? True. Is so that way there's enough? Always, there's always, there's always things, things to think about. But, I guess my best advice always is to always put as much possible effort right to um, your craft um, before you take it to the next stage, right? Be it you step into a studio before before you step into a recording studio, or before you send your tracks off to a um, 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 uh, a mix engineer, and be prepared to you know if if things are not up to par, you know, be prepared to, you know, receive feedback. Lah, right? okay. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's constructive feedback. Obviously uh, I would always try to be constructive. Right. But, um, I, everyone needs to be ready to accept that there are levels to, to everything. Sometimes with how things are marketed and how, um, things are portrayed you know, like on social media and how, especially when it comes to all these audio companies and brands, they always tell you, oh, you know, unlock the possibilities of this, <laughs> all these nice key phrases, like, you know. Um, uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, achieve world-class results with this, this, this. All you need to do is buy this plugin or buy this software. Uh, buy this, add on, and, add on. Yeah, you know, so it's not necessarily always the case, like, yeah. 
you 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 are absolutely right the the human element at this point in time still plays a a um big big factor and a big role in anything that's do with with creative uh, arts la. um i think one thing that like sorry to circle back into machines again and ai and all that if there's no one thing Go that ahead. if there's one thing that it cannot do that machines can't do is that they cannot replicate intent okay yeah so sometimes maybe for a certain song right let, let's talk about mixing right maybe it is mixed a certain way it is mixed to have the vocal very low in the mix for example in some styles of music okay. or it's mixed to be very very dark so if you feed that to a machine they will think that oh you know uh vocal not loud enough oh they will think that mm. oh this music is too dark right not enough bright is not bright not not doesn't have that enough of a treble the, sh the shimmer then it applies that processing but okay. it has totally totally bypassed and circumvent circumvented the intent of the artist and the producer mm -hmm. so they actually intended it to be this way you know if you take for example mona lisa now you know and you feed it to an ai you know and say oh what would be the perfect picture be right there's that ah uh, okay mona lisa uh here the Billy exposure hat. not enough <laughs> la, you know or they say no even the technical things like oh the exposure here is not good here is not bright enough and then you run it to some algorithm they'll be like whoa you know uh, you'll be totally you have totally ruined the a masterpiece right or let's take imagine. for example yeah I think there was one example that actually used a, a Van Gogh Starry Night, right? That famous, his famous uh, uh, painting of, of the Starry Night. And they actually ran it to an AI to... So what the AI does is it tries to sharpen the image, make things a little oh, bit better. Man. The result this, was like... This, yeah, this, but this is horrible, Ben, because it yeah. reminds me of this. You know, this mm -hmm. India, as you have this Agoris, right? Uh, you know that that all that scary looking guys and priests or whatever they ah. they believe in one concept which is uh seeking for purity in impurities wow it's that so deep. pretty much that's that's how it is for music also sometimes that that that, that so-called imperfection is actually perfect in certain ways man yep correct yeah you know so we that's where the human still you know has the advantage over the machine lah, knowing where to where to leave the imperfections in, where to leave the soul, so to speak. Because if everything is, you know, edited to perfection, everything lies exactly on the grid, everything's perfectly in tune, then, you know, we have, uh, we've essentially robbed ourselves of our humanity and our soul and turned ourselves into machines. Lah. Exactly. It's like, I mean, I'm not going to bitch about Spotify or whatever. It's just that, you know, when it comes to Spotify, the quality of certain things can't be heard properly. It's like from vinyl evolving to CDs, CDs to MP3, MP3 to streams and stuff like that. It's like you don't really have that feel of certain things going on. So I guess pretty much works the same way for most of the stuff that's out there. But yep. I, I'm seriously, I'm just, like I said earlier, I'm so intrigued, especially with this particular conversation. I've learned a lot about this so-called um, engineering part of it, this side of your world which hopefully for one day, I'm just going to just say, Jenny, I'm going to pack my bags, bring my clothes, sit in the studio, just watch you work, man. You know, I wish one day I could do that someday. La. Not now. But uh, anyway, as from, from engineering and mixing, which is a topic that I think I can go on for another three to four hours, which I'm not going to. Don't worry about it. Don't panic. Um, let's get back to your band, Pop Shove It. 
something's big's coming up uh big is coming up in november two uh, gigs that you will be or rather two shows that you will be performing and uh before you even get there uh somewhere on april you gave a teaser that you're coming up with a new track for pop shove it right right okay yeah you I, gave I, a teaser I, can, too. I mean uh even my, my memory is not that good man i can't remember when i did that or oh. not <laughs> yes you did you gave a te- I, you teaser know. i think I think it was somewhere the first or second week you gave a teaser coming up with the track. So I'm just curious, has the track been completed? Is it just going to be a single? Is it going to be like an LP? Or what is it going to be like for Pop Shove It? And what, what is the track all about? How different it is from your previous music itself? So please enlighten us a little bit. Give us a sneak peek, Lea. Let's see. Okay. Well, uh, well, I mean, obviously I can't really give a sneak peek. So to, so to, you know, literally I can't give a sneak peek, but <laughs> I can talk a little bit about it. And yeah, it's, this is probably going to be the first, um, whatever public platform, which anyone's going to hear about it. Lah. Like, so okay. hey, exclusive, man. Exclusive thank you. Scoop. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect yeah, so timing, we, man. We are, we, uh, we actually re- wrote and recorded a song end of 2020 actually in 2020 so it's two years in the making and it's already been ready recorded mixed mastered and it's been sitting there in the you know on the shelf right um not really shelf it's sitting in the oven for (laughs) more than a year already and it's always about thinking of when's the right time to put it out and when you know we are going to do when you know because the thing about um uh current music release strategies nowadays it's very different from what it used to be you know and we can go into that later so basically we were waiting for the right time to put it out because not only do we we don't just want to put the music out because we've learned we've we've tried with several singles in the past Mm -hmm. just putting out and see what happens you now you have to time it with you know things like a music video you have to time it with some shows and um or you have to either do organize your own show or showcase or tour or something like that in order to push and grab as much attention towards that single right that can be the whole music marketing um topic can be a whole other yeah um uh podcast about it man i'm not yeah. an expert on i'm not an expert <laughs> at that but i i know enough right to sort of share that with with the bands that I work with uh, but anyway, so this song, the title, right, is uh, called Gila Kwasa. Oh, nice. Right? Right? It's a BM track, right? Um, and it features, right, um, No Saleh. No oh, from Hujan. Hujan, yeah. okay, okay, okay. No has been a very, very good friend of ours, a personal friend. Uh, we've known him even before the Hujan days. Nice. Um, and uh, he has uh, he recorded and did his uh, on he and he features on the chorus la, of the of the song. So right, nice man. So it'll be Pop Shavit featuring uh, No Hujan. We will uh, be putting that out. I think we're debuting it, it um, at Rock the World, right? Nice. Which it's is twelfth of November. Shows. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'll Not sure when. when this, yeah. When when are you putting the episode out? When is this out? Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow I, I do it within 24 to 48 hours it's like 12th of november is going to be a very big day i could consider that as a birthday gift watching yeah, Pop Shavit it live is. in action oh well oh awesome man you you're coming yeah i you're hope i hope to get the, i better get the tickets hopefully there's still tickets man yeah, yeah. i think they're, they're quite affordable yeah yeah uh, no i hopefully there is any more tickets left 
knowing they rock the world <laughs> after such a long break, it's like, uh, well, the two years or three years, is it? Many, many years already. Many years already. They, they yeah. took a long uh, a hiatus, right? I think the company went through some yeah. personnel changes and all that. Yeah. And this is 20th anniversary for Rock the World. Wow. Man, 20th anniversary, man. Could imagine, so, man. I, now so, I feel damn old, man. I've been there yeah. for the first one and now it's going to be yeah. the 20th anniversary. So ah. we'll, we'll premiere the track, lah, right? So, yeah, it's, it's titled Gila Kwasa. And you can sort of guess what the... Uh, subject matter is going to be, la, right? And get the hints, man. I get the hints. Yeah, that. you know. And it was something that we actually wrote in 2020. Early 2020, we started writing that song already. Right? That, mm. That's two years ago. And of Still course, relevant. You know, still relevant. Still, yeah, still relevant. Yes, you know. Uh, on um, We wrote it as a reaction to, obviously, what happened in February. <laughs> yeah. That booth, I right? You know? I know. A, a certain hotel move, you know? <laughs> uh, right. So we, we had wrote that some people had thoughts. Hotel Hotel California, we had yeah, some other hotels. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, sorry to drag a little bit of politics into the thing. And then but nah. then when, when we thought that the when we thought that the 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 administration that took over when that sort of fell, we thought that Alama, the song not relevant anymore. <laughs> but actually but but I suppose, you know, uh True, you know, um, leopard doesn't change its spots. It may be a different yeah. creature, but you know, they stay true no, to their they stay true their colors, lah. So it's still relevant. Come to think of it, is is not only here, but it's is something that's happening worldwide. So I think mm. if there's a translation to the song or the English version, it'll still be relevant to every single country in the world, man. That's yep, exactly yep. what's been going on right now. Yeah. But this yeah. this music that I am looking forward for is that a music video planned out for that? Or is it already or is it going to be later on at the time, or are you guys already working on that one? I um I think we are planning and we're thinking there's no music video yet. We hope to do and put something out as soon as possible, Right. Cool, cool. But you know, but um, we do have a series of shows. Uh, Rock the World's not the only one. Um, KL Big Party on the fifth of November. KL Big Party, and in fact, this next week we're actually playing uh, Rock on Festival. It's called no, it's called Rock on Fest. Yeah, at Taylor's. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Then there's another Excellent. show at MotoGP, and it's like out of the blue, man. Suddenly we got calls, you know, and it's like. Nice. Four shows every weekend is like you know already already yes, booked. It's like that's that's the spirit, man. That's how it should be after <laughs> after just hibernating for almost two years thanks to that big mess. Uh, yeah. Finally getting out. But is it? But, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, to interrupt you here. But have you guys performed recently, as in past couple of months back or whatever? Did you all do no, any shows? No. So everyone, how is it going to be like? Everyone, well, you just have to wait and see, like, you know, whether we can, you know, work out all the kinks and all the rust out of all these old joints, you know. Yeah, and, I remember and, I had the same that. conversation with Fuad from Kyoto Protocol. It's like after oh, the yeah, long yeah. break I, and sun, yeah. suddenly going back on stage, it's like, okay, this doesn't seem to work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched that uh, and I was like, uh, when I was listening to that, I was like, yes, I feel you exactly, Fuad, <laughs> exactly, you know, feel, feel that, oh. yeah. Man, it is, so, it is best. Yeah, but uh, um, we'll see how it goes. We're definitely going to be, we're, 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 we're doing some rehearsals. We're going to be jamming right before that. And uh, 
um thankfully i think muscle memory comes comes back uh, hopefully muscle memory comes into play uh, right yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it will because you yeah. the energy that you all produce uh during your performances is phenomenal so i'm pretty sure all of that will just kick in back into overdrive again especially it's, oh. it's nice right going back in front of a big crowd and just rocking it out because yep. it's i mean for someone like yourself who's an engineer at the same time or a, a, a rocker on the other side you live two parts of the world so I think you had that solitude part covered up, already fulfilled that as much as possible. So now it's time to unleash it, which is going to be awesome, man. It's going to be awesome. I am, I guarantee you that. And I'm looking forward for that too. Yeah, I definitely hope so too. I mean, but I'm just happy that, you know, uh, audiences, fans, music lovers in, in general are able to enjoy live music, lah, you know. Yeah. Everyone was saying that live music was uh, or a live show was was going to die out or was going to die out. Everything is going to move to virtual stages and all that. And uh, I think the lesson that we've learned these past two years is that no, it hasn't really worked. You know, doing yeah. all these virtual concerts, virtual performances. Nope. It was nice for a period of time, but yeah. but at the very same time, as much as people were complaining about it, I would like to look at the big mess as. An alternative. If it wasn't for the big mess, we wouldn't have discovered so many things. For example, True. hey, your podcast show, this particular podcast show, the stuff that we could learn online, you know, it gave us another platform to uh, unleash the, other, the potential of so many other things. And uh, especially for the, uh, if you're talking about musicians, they also got a chance to uh, discover different talents or dis- different ways of uh, showcasing whatever they had so it was just kind of nice in a way in a way yeah so yep. you you prepared for anything in the near future yep i mean that's great like, it's always good to look at the positive side and always be yeah. cautiously optimistic you know but you know yeah. optimistic there's always a silver lining and you know I'm just, I'm just glad you know that we are sort of emerging out of this two-year period uh yeah. hopefully better hopefully stronger um individually personally but overall as a whole as a whole industry and a whole scene yeah yeah because i like i said earlier uh, one of the best things that i've uh, enjoyed i mean i shouldn't say this enjoyed but the best thing i liked about the thing is the big bass is i've discovered so many great bands so many new talents that just popped out people who don't who didn't know how to go out there and showcase their 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 work finally got a chance to do it on screen so that's where they started getting more and more especially discovered this mm. one teenager i think you might know him but i don't want to mention names it was he did it before spm and now he's going to be in college but he has an awesome awesome uh tracks that he produced a young kid and thanks to all this so-called pandemic he was brave enough to do that so good for him man good for him yeah definitely man more power to everyone who's, who's out there you know you, you um always turn crisis you know i would say la, right you know turn crisis into moments of opportunity la, right they it's you always look at it that that in in that way yeah yeah man jenny thank you so much for taking up yeah uh, sorry for taking the time and coming on board the show i really enjoyed uh, this particular podcast by far after 50 episodes i think this is oh, one of it oh, I, I enjoyed it very very much i've learned a lot a lot from you uh even though it's only for a less for an hour or so but uh it's it's amazing man thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us and uh, your music hey looking forward for that that's coming up uh, hopefully in november right uh, that's something i'm looking forward for too your shows and if you want to follow JD, I'm going to post every single details 
uh, be sure to check out his podcast, his mixed stream, uh, his mixed stream podcast. Okay, one thing lah. Also, chats he has with so many other great uh, what I put it, personalities. Okay, check that out. It's all available on his uh, YouTube channel, social media. I'm going to put the whole thing on the website so you can check it out for yourselves. JD, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for your being on board, man. It's a great pleasure. Yeah. Finally meeting. Thank you, you so. Yeah, thank you so much. It's really an honor. You know, um, I I'm feel really humble, and I think you're doing a great thing as well. I really thank enjoyed you. your podcast, and you know, all your conversations with all the different people, and great, great, great thing that you're doing, man. So, do keep it up. I look forward to many, many more. Thank you, man. Thank you very much. Man.